Moncrief on News Talk. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone. The internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. Simon Tierney joins us once again uh, to talk about something. I don't know if everyone does this, but some uh, people who do it love doing it. That being chewing gum. Yeah, I mean, I I chew. I don't chew every day, but I do chew. Do you chew? Very occasionally, but mm. I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't carry gum. Oh God, mm. I would. Would you? All oh, right. Oh, okay. I would. I'd carry it in my man bag. Yeah. Okay, that's commitment then. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just keep my gun in my man bag. That's- <laughs> <laughs> they don't go together. The yeah. man bag is not very manly, is it? <laughs> you need to get you a holster, Sean. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah chewing gum, it's a funny thing. The re- I, I, I suppose the reason why I want to talk about this is because um, there was a story a couple of days ago of this uh, chewing gum which has gone on view in exhibition um, in the Royal... Danish Library um, in Copenhagen and this is a piece of chewing gum that has been masticated but it was masticated 22 years ago Mm. and um, it's now in a glass case temperature controlled and it's almost being held up as a religious relic this piece of chewing gum Okay and why? (laughs) (laughs) Obvious next question (laughs) Um, uh, So this was chewed by the great Nina Simone um, at Meltdown which was a festival in 1999 in London and Crikey uh, that's only she died 2003, 2004, so that wouldn't be long before her death. It, I think it was ab- among one of her last mm. performances, certainly in this part of the world. Um, but Warren Ellis was there at that event. I think the whole event ha- actually had been organised by Nick Cave. And of course, they were collaborators and they continued to collaborate uh, with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and all the rest. And he was transfixed by when Nina Simone... I must see actually if there's video of this on YouTube, but when she sat down at her Steinway uh, for that performance, um, she took this piece of chewing gum out of her mouth and stuck it onto the top of the Steinway Mm. so that she could Mm. prepare to play the piano and sing. And apparently it was a great set. And at the end, uh, Warren Ellis was so taken by the performance and he saw this piece of chewing gum. It was one of those bizarre moments where he felt transfixed by it. And when she went off the stage, he rushed up onto the stage and took the chewing gum and kept it for 22 years. And now it's on display in a cool. museum. Cool. I, I do the same. Uh, uh, but Nina Simone didn't come back out looking for a chewing gum. Because no. you wouldn't want to cross her. She, no, was, a, she was an intimidating not. woman. Yeah. <laughs> and so did he like keep it in a drawer or someplace? How did it end up in, in, in a museum? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever come across a piece of chewing gum under a desk or something, Sean, yeah. that's been there for, you know, months or even years. I certainly have. Not a pleasant experience. But chewing gum, what happens to it? It hardens yeah. after time. It goes quite hard. Mm. So this piece of chewing gum, is it is very hard. Um, but he kept it in um, in a kind of a, a piece of cloth. Um, for, for, so the story just gets more and more yeah. bizarre. But um, anyway, now it's in a temperature controlled glass box and you can go and look at it in That's Copenhagen. Gonna, yeah. So how, for, so for how long have people been chewing gum? Because even if you think yeah. about it, it's an odd thing to do. Because, you know, you're never going to swallow this piece of gum. It is. It's bizarre. It's like, yeah, but it's, it's foreplay without the sex. It is. And people love to masticate. 
they've been masticating for thousands of years. The mm. Greeks did it, the Mayans did it, the Aztecs did it. The Greeks did it with... Um, uh, well, we we get the word masticate from them because they had the mastic tree um, and they tapped this yellowish resin from the mastic tree, which is called mastica. And they chewed this. It was said to have a kind of a slightly smoky flavor, an aromatic odor, very much an acquired taste. But the Greeks saw it as having therapeutic properties, which is often the way with things which we consider kind of habitual behaviours now, like smoking started off as something therapeutic. Mm. Um, chewing gum was the same. And the the Mayans from sort of 1800, 2000 BC onwards, they were tapping chicle. Now you can still buy chicle to this day. Chicle is the original chewing gum. All the chewing gum that we generally buy in the in the shop, in the corner shop now is um, synthetic but the original chewing gum is made with chicle and this is uh, a type of sap that is tapped from the sapodilla tree which is in Central America in uh, parts of Mexico. And the sapodilla tree, the sapodilla yeah, tree, it's really asking for its sap to be removed. With a name indeed, like that, really. Yes, indeed. And it's a kind of a milky latex, on not dissimilar to what rubber looks like in its virgin form. Mm. And this is cooked and dried, and then it's chewed. And the Aztecs took that on and they started chewing it in the same area. And uh, that's really the 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 prehistory, so to speak, of uh, chewing gum. Things get commercialised when we enter the the modern age of chewing gum in the mid nineteenth century. This is when um, an American man by the name of John Curtis first starts to uh, manufacture chewing gum on a large mass scale and selling it for for profit. Right. Okay. And 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 presumably he felt there was a market for this at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he wasn't using chicle. He was using the sap from spruce trees. Um, so he boiled this uh, spruce tree gum. He let it dry, he cut it into strips, and then it was sold in two centimetre by one centimetre kind of capsules in white tissue paper. And hmm. you would chew this, but it wasn't as good as other forms of chewing gum. So he ditched the spruce gum after a few years and instead he started using paraffin wax, which sounds awful, <laughs> yeah. but it was a huge product in the 1860s in America. Paraffin wax, of course, coming from um, natural petroleum and that was turned into a kind of a chewable substance and they added sugar to it to make it less okay. horrendous than I imagine it would have been. And uh, that was a popular thing. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, it's so long ago, we don't know. Did everyone get mouth cancer from doing this? Or, yeah, or whether we, it we don't. Or not? We, we don't know. And the, the craze certainly didn't last for long um, mm. because what happened in the 1870s is that chicle was imported into the United States for the first time uh, by Thomas Adams, who made a fortune with his chewing gum products. And he had the very clever idea of not just using natural chicle from Central America, um, but he also decided to give it a flavour. And he was the first person to ever give chewing gum a flavour. Now, when I say flavour, I mean not just sugar, right? Mm. The flavour he gave it was licorice. 
And okay. that means that the first ever flavoured chewing gum was, and he christened it, Blackjack. Right. Which is still a confectionery that yeah. we enjoy to it's this not, day. It's not though, uh, um, I don't know if it's a chewing gum, it's like a chew, you can swallow it. Yeah, it's yeah. a kind of a chewy sweet. Yeah. Um, but I think you can, you can still get Blackjack uh, uh, chewing gum, certainly, yeah. Right, okay. Did that have any racist overtones, I wonder? God, I don't know. That's a good question. Like we were when we were discussing the history of the ice pop recently, mm. that came up. Um, I, I'm not sure, actually. That That is a good question. But what I do know is that uh, with the success, on the back of the success of Thomas Adams, a certain Mr. William Wrigley came along and saw its potential. But interestingly, and I never knew this before, Sean, is that William Wrigley in the 1890s, he was a soap salesman door-to-door soap salesman and he started offering um, sticks of chewing gum um, complimentary to his clients as an incentive so buy this amount of soap and I'll give you some chewing gum along Mm. with it but what he soon realised was that the customers were more interested in his chewing gum uh, than his soap and in 1893 he launched his first ever chewing gum this is Mr Wrigley and he called it Juicy Fruit which is still hmm, popular to crikey. this day. I saw it in the corner shop when I was out this morning and he followed it up of course with Spearmint which are still the two popular brands from, from that company. Now given though I assume that you know it was a time with probably lots of different competing different sorts of chewing gum why did his stand out or what did he do that nobody else did? Yeah, like all of these products, particularly at the turn of the century, Sean, it, w- it all came down to advertising. Mm. Uh, William Wrigley was a master advertiser. His line was, tell him quick and tell him often, um, was what he asked his executives to stand by. And what he realised that there were two things that he could really do to sell his product. First was to medicalise it. And we, we've seen this with so many products on this series over the years from mouthwash to deodorant when you medicalize a product you give it you lend it a certain scientific credence that it might not have without it but of course you know any i mean they used to use doctors to sell cigarettes yeah, you know yeah um so they said that uh, i tweeted a picture of this ad earlier that Wrigley's chewing gum was sold as a, a cure for farting um, they said that it helped with, with flatulence. Um, I suppose the idea is that, you know, um, you know that, that chewing can help with digestion and that could have a knock-on effect. Um, the other big thing that, that, that Wrigley did, which helped boost sales, Sean, is that he linked it with smoking. Um, we saw this recently with mouthwash. Um, it's, it's a great thing in a marketer's toolbox is to hook your product onto someone else's product so mm. that they kind of go together you yeah. know so if you can convince our, like you've got millions of smokers already in the market if you can convince all those smokers that they need this other little product to go with it to then you're on to a winner yeah yeah so that's what Wrigley did and he said in um in his ads in his uh smoking chewing gum uh, advertising campaign after smoking it cools your mouth makes it moist and refreshed enjoy smoking more by enjoying this goodie yeah it's it, it's actually it's interesting looking at this advert it looks almost exactly the same as it does now it's it, the, the packaging has the changed packaging very... really hasn't changed yeah. much it's it's quite extraordinary I suppose they have very little amount of space to play with on a stick of chewing gum but uh, the, the branding the, the font and everything hasn't changed yeah and also yeah because you'd wonder 
uh, because there's a big bit in this adverse about caution. You know, there are people making, you know, selling fake Wrigley's out there. Is that actually more clever marketing, really? Oh, or, it is. But, you know, that that was a big thing in the 20s and 30s was to put a disclaimer at the bottom of your ads. I remember when we were talking about the history of staplers on this slot a few years ago. Um, the big stapler brands, the pioneering stapler brands would always say, don't use other people's staplers and our stapler because you'll jam it up. Yeah. You need to buy the proper ones, you know. It was a really important thing because there were so many imitators. As soon as a product became popular, imitators would, would start following and creating something cheaper. Yeah, but it also gives it that air of this is the best one. Definitely. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. One. Now, uh, and with many other products we've spoken about, war really helped Wrigley. It really did. Um, Wrigley, William Wrigley exclusively provided free chewing gum to the GIs during World War One in the European theatre. They inevitably passed it on to local people in France, Belgium, etc. And then chewing gum went international. Um, I was curious to know about when bubblegum came in, Sean. And we do know that from 1928, we see the first bubblegum being invented. What is bubblegum? Bubblegum is essentially a less sticky, more flexible form of chewing gum, which mm. allows you yeah. to, to blow bubbles. And William Deemer, who was working for a, a, a chewing gum company called the Fleer Chewing Gum Company, he came up with it in the 20s. The first one on the market was Double Bubble. But it was hmm. Wrigley's again who created the one that went stratospheric. And that's one that arrived on Irish shores and was very popular when I was a kid. Hubba Bubba. Yes. And the way they sold that is interesting. The tagline, the original tagline was big bubbles, no troubles. Yeah. And the reason for that was because <laughs> a lot of bubble gums at that time exploded just at the point where you were hoping they wouldn't. Mm. And you got a whole face full of chewing gum that yeah. you had to ask your friends to peel off your skin. Yeah, so Which they wouldn't. <laughs> they just stand there and laugh at you. <laughs> yeah. It was about who could make the biggest bubble. So Hubba Bubba was the one that was very popular here. Right. Yeah, and probably still is. I, I think it still yeah. is. Yeah, I would imagine it would be. Uh, and yes, finally, uh, walk and chew gum at the same time isn't actually the phrase. That no, was made. it's not. Um, anyone who's up with their presidential history or has seen any biopics of Lyndon Johnson will know that he was quite a rough and ready and foul-mouthed character. Um, and he famously described future president Gerald Ford, who was who took over after Nixon. Um, he described, he said that he was so dumb he couldn't even fart and chew gum at the same time. And the US media changed the quote to walk and chew gum at the same time for purposes of decency. Yeah. But at the same time, as we now know, chewing gum cures farting. So yes, it, exactly. it, it wouldn't have happened anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. Fascinating as ever. Simon, Simon Tierney there with the history of chewing gum. Moncrief on News Talk.